Welcome into another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark for our first podcast of 2021. Um, it was a little delayed, but as my mom says, delayed is not denied. We are here. Mike, and how are you doing? <laughs> Uh, I'm doing good. Um, a little personal news. Isn't that how they say this on Twitter? Yeah. Um, too. So yes, yeah, so I'm actually, uh, I'm actually probable on the injury list. Uh, just sharing a little bit with our listeners. Uh, I slipped on some ice and, uh, fractured my left humerus, which is the upper arm bone. I did not know what the humerus was until I fractured it. So, uh, yeah, so just a uh, kind of a uh, cautionary tale, folks. Please stay safe out there uh, when you're walking around. Uh, it's that time of year, unfortunately. Is since I told a few folks about this, they said, "Oh yeah, that something like that happened to me, or something like that happened to someone I know." So that's our public service announcement for this week, folks. Please stay safe, uh, safer than I was. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm probable, so uh, I am. Well, actually, I will play. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I am working, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's that. But uh, and uh, that's an interesting segue into some more health news. Um, and uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, how it is nice for us to be able to tell you folks some inspiring stories, and we've had our share of them certainly through the you know, the tough times of the pandemic. And uh, this is one of the best stories that I can think of for quite a while. Um, Deshaun Foster of the Hammond High Boys Basketball Program. And it could have been a, you know, a a really sad story, but I think it was an inspirational story. Um, Just, you know, folks, if you haven't read James' story already, um, it ran uh, the other day, you know, you can find it in the usual spots on his uh, social media, also on the Times social media um, on our website. But uh, what an awesome story, James, and I will let you tell it. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a story that kind of just got placed in my lap. I know the Indy Star uh, previously reported on Deshaun, and I kind of uh, provided the same information as them, but also um, just some additional information as to the support he's received from the region. Um, obviously, I, I'm a little biased towards my own story, but <laughs> it's all great reporting. And, and I, I kind of, I'm kind of happy that his story is being shared wherever just because it's been so incredible. I mean, this is a kid who, five foot nine, Mike, throwing down dunks last year in the Hammond gym. And then this October, you know, uh, his, his liver failed. Um, and right now his, his family still has no idea what caused it. And long story short, he was able to get a liver transplant and, um, he basically went from being like a healthy kid to literally within a week being intubated and receiving, you know, being placed on the, on the, on the transplant list and also receiving a liver transplant. And again, this was all within a week, uh, roller coaster emotions for, his family, and then he doesn't remember much of it. He told me he remembers watching TV with his aunt. You know, I think it was after the NBA Finals um, in October, and then he remembers waking up in the hospital at Riley's in Indianapolis with the with the tube in his throat. So, uh, just an incredible uh, journey for them, and and now it's like this long road back to recovery. He's got to take medicine for the rest of his life. Um, 
He's undergoing numerous tests still just to figure out what caused this liver failure. And um, again, this is a 16-year-old who is healthy, dunking, active, and now he's, uh, you know, basically had to hit the brakes for a year or more until he can get back on the court again. So I, I kind of just, I really tried to tell the story, not even myself, really. I really tried to allow him and his mother um, and the Hammond coach, Larry Moore Jr., tell the story through their lens, through their eyes. And I think the quotes that I was able to pull, there were a lot of them, Mike. I let a lot, I left a lot on the chopping, uh, I guess chopping board or dock, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, as a writer, I'm always like, I guess, fighting with myself as to what quotes to put into the story because it can't be, you know, uh, you know, 5,000 words, although I probably would have loved to write 5,000 words about this, you know, <laughs> story in particular. But I think the quotes I pulled out really kind of took the emotions. Um, so those of you who haven't read it, please check it out. And one quote I, that I'll, I'll just kind of paraphrase here. His mom talked to me about how when he was sick, she was praying that he would make it. And then when she knew he wouldn't make it with the liver that he has, she said that the guilt her and her mother, uh, Deshaun's gra uh, grandmother, were feeling was like this grapple with, okay, we want our son and our grandson to live, but we also know that means someone else will have to die so he can have their liver. And um, she said that even now, like that guilt of, of praying for him to live, and um, it almost felt like it, you know, we were praying for somebody else to die. And she said that was hard to deal with, and it's still hard to deal with because she was kind of thinking out loud saying like what makes my son so special and um you know she basically chalked it up to it wasn't his time yet and um you know Deshaun was was saying he, you know he'll thank the family whenever he gets a chance to meet him still doesn't really know who uh doesn't know uh who, who donated the, the 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 liver just yet but he, he said he owes a lot to them obviously and he plans on meeting them down the road and um letting them know that you know it won't go to waste so it was a heck of a story to write. I got a chance to meet Deshaun in person at the uh, Mac Jokes Invitational last Saturday um, during the Hammond High Maryville game. Uh, he got a standing ovation from the crowd. He received a, a, an autographed basketball from the late, great Kobe Bryant. Um, one of them was raffled off to raise money for his GoFundMe page for his medical expenses, and the other one was just given to him. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Shout out to uh, Greg Jones, the second Bishop Knoll alum, who uh, kind of pulled that off and, and made that happen for Deshaun. But again, a story that really pulled at the heartstrings and puts things in perspective. And one interesting thing I want to point out, which is the last thing I'll say about the story, is that you know the thing that alerted his mom to the issues, Mike, uh, of his liver and things like that, was that he started having shortness of breath. And he had already had uh, pneumonia a little bit earlier and then... You know, now, anytime you have breathing issues, you start thinking it's COVID. But they went to the hospital and the doctors told them it was not COVID and ran some tests and found out that his uh, his liver en enzyme levels were through the roof. I won't bore you with the details. It's all in the story. But, um, you know, shout out to his mom for just knowing that something else needed to be done. And, and she uh, basically got him the help that he needed. And eventually uh, his life was saved through this, this liver transplant. So um, incredible story. Um, Deshaun's in good spirits. Uh, you know, he said he's had a lot of the whole why me questions kind of run through his head. But as of right now, he's just leaning on his mom and his grandma and, and, and trying to get through this, uh, you know, and just trying to come out on the other side better than before. So it's a, it's an incredible story. Uh, and I definitely, I mean, I look over all my stories a lot before they go live, but I'll probably look at this one, uh, maybe three or four times after, after I said I was officially done. 
just to make sure I was officially done done. So that was, that was a good story to write. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing to throw out there too is that he is only a sophomore. So um, hopefully uh, he will be able to resume his basketball career at some point. Um, he does have two more years of school left. So we would love to see him back on the court. Obviously it won't be for him at high because this is the last year for Hammond High, but perhaps for Hammond Central uh, when they open a new school next school year. Um, some more basketball news on the court. Uh, the girls side, Courtney Blakely from Bishop Knoll, we've certainly talked about before, we'll be talking about quite a bit uh, more. Uh, she is on a tear right now, um, averaging more than 50 points a game over her last what is it, three games, three, four games, whatever. Um, and we were joking about this a little bit before we uh, started the pod. Now, no Sports Illustrated jinx here for James because James wrote about Courtney having a, <laughs> a real good scoring streak. And then the game after the story appeared, uh, she went out and scored 55, which is a new career high after scoring 49 and 50. So, yeah, um, she is uh, one of the premier scorers in the state and starting to maybe get a little bit of buzz for uh, Miss Basketball. Uh, the tough thing is, you know, you know, to talk about Miss Basketball, um, you know, it's hard for a smaller school possibly to get somebody from a smaller school to get noticed uh, for something like that. Um, and sometimes it's tough to get noticed up in Northwest Indiana, but those kind of numbers will make people around the state uh, sit up and take notice. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was fun to write that story. I mean, how many times do you have a player just going off like this? And um, I was kind of kicking myself like, dang, James, you'd have waited a couple more days. Uh, you know, you could have got that 55-gamer <laughs> in the actual story. But, I mean, it's incredible what she's doing. Um, she just received an offer from Middle Tennessee State um, yesterday. And um, I guess the biggest thing is that, you know, she's the leading scorer in the state. And I believe, according to Max Prep, she's right now the leading scorer in the country for girls basketball at the high school level. And then on top of that, um, she's probably the most underrated player in the state. She only has one. Well, she has two now. Middle Tennessee State and Indiana State have offered a, a full-ride scholarship. She told me she's also been in contact with Southeastern Missouri State. Um, but when I talked to her about her offers, I was kind of shocked, Mike, that she didn't have more and didn't have any Power Fives in there. Um, I mean, this is a girl, in my opinion, people can can argue with me all they want. She has a lot of upside at the next level simply because she's faster and, and quicker and just moves at a different speed than everybody else. and that's And that includes, you know, Anyone on our girls' side right now in girls' basketball, I know we have some studs and Jessica Carruthers and Trinity Thompson, Ryan Ott. None of them move like Courtney Blakely. Now, you know, you can, you can coach her up and, you know, might, might have to, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, reel her in or do whatever because right now she's got like this neon green light where she kind of just takes every shot. And no disrespect to her or the team is just kind of what her team needs. But people can debate whether or not she's shooting too much or whatever, but you can't deny that girl's talent. And again, she's trying to basically do um, a lot, you know, with a shorthanded team. Before we came on the pod, I told Mike that 
Um, Bishop Knowles' second best player, in my opinion, um, Rose Fuentes, has been out with an ankle injury, which has kind of given way to this Courtney Blakely eruption. And, um, you know, for as great of a player as she is, she remains humble. I spoke to her after she scored 37, which was, you know, her lowest during that stretch. I'm sorry, I might have jinxed her that game, Mike. She didn't go for 40. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it was fun to watch her. Um, she's kind of just, at this point, must-see TV. And I was talking to some other people around the region. And, and basically the conversation now is, that, like, you know, you haven't seen numbers like this on the girls' side since Dana Evans, um, you know, the West Side great who's now at Louisville, who's in the running for player of the year, who's probably going to be a top-five pick in the WNBA draft. So, um, you know, that's pretty cool air to be in. And company to be in with. So I'm excited for uh, Courtney and, and, and that team because I think, you know, as she tries to stake her claim for Miss Basketball, the biggest thing will be can you at least get, you know, some postseason hardware? I think that would definitely help her her, her case in a sense. Um, not that I'm advocating for her. I mean, there's other girls basketball players around the state who are awesome as well. I know Jayla Smith at, at Lawrence North is having a great year as well, the Purdue commit. And others, um, but again, you, she she was saying like you know I think that if like she said I can get that sectional championship, get us to regionals and maybe you know grow a little further, she hopes to get some more exposure that way. Both, you know, from the people around the state making these decisions on on who's a, you know an Indiana All Star, who's Indiana Miss Basketball, and also just college offers. So um, shout out to that girl for I mean just being. I, I joke with uh, Mike about this, but just being used at a James Harden-esque, you know, um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook 2016 MVP, you know, type of, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, rate. Just because I look at her sometimes, Mike, especially in the game that I saw, she just looked exhausted, you know, every stop or every... But then once the, the whistle blows, she's just going 100 miles an hour again on offense and defense. And uh, I do want to point out that she's not just scoring. She has about she's averaging about four or five assists a game, about four or five rebounds, four or five steals, and um, she probably have a you know she she keeps passing the ball, and um, maybe to a fault sometimes. Cause, but because she but she was telling me you know I'd rather keep instilling that trust in my teammates, just let them know that I believe in them. That way, when they do start making some shots or making you know feeling more confident, you know in their abilities, they'll make these shots when we need them the most. So. I don't want people to think that she's just shooting every time she comes down. Um, she definitely uh, tries to make plays for her teammates, but then there's also that switch she flips where she's like, okay, well, you know what? No one else can guard me, so I'm just going to you know, put us on our back. And for the most part, it's worked out pretty well so far. I believe they're like 7-4 and four or 7-5. and five. Um, You know, she's treading water, but I think when Rose Fuentes come back, that team will be pretty good, and that sectional is wide open. So I'm excited to see uh, what's in store. I mean... In a normal year, Mike, I'd probably uh, check her out even on my off day if I'm just you know cruising through or something like that. But uh, I'm kind of uh, I've kind of just been keeping an eye on on our box scores that come in just to see what Courtney Blakely has done lately. That's that's how crazy it's gotten. And honestly, she's so calm about it that uh, I know that there's a reason why God gave people certain people talent that He didn't give me because if I was scoring 50 in high school, you wouldn't be able to tell me anything. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Well, yeah, the uh, you did not put up those kind of numbers for the Louisville Spartans. But, no, uh, I think my 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 high my senior year was maybe like twelve or fourteen, so very mild. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, some more girls basketball news. Um, kind of a, a milestone, um, I guess you would call it, um, in a 
in an odd direction, you know, for Crown Points girls. Uh, they lost a regular season game, which hasn't happened in nearly three years. Yeah, I was there for that one at the Mac Jokes Invitational. Great event, by the way. There were some great teams there. Um, the girls' uh, Crown Point team lost to Silver Creek. Um, their first loss since losing to Chesterton on January, uh, I believe, 19th, 2018. Um, so that's an incredible run to be on. I think it was something like 63 consecutive regular season wins. Um, and one of the interesting things I talked to Coach uh, Chris Seibert about um, after the game was that, you know, in the past two years when Crown Point has lost, that their season has been over. So he was, say, he was saying, excuse me, that um, he thinks that this will be a good um, lesson for his team and a good opportunity for them to, for them to grow. They bounced back already with the win over Lake Central. Um, I'll be heading to their game tonight when they play Michigan City. Um, but he was basically saying, like, you know, it's good to taste defeat and not to have that be the end of your season. That way you can actually break down film, come back, and, um, you know, get better and, and learn from it. So um, it, was a, it was a good game, back and forth game. I mean, I think uh, Crown Point was up two going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, like I said, uh, they're not. And what's one thing I want to point out, they hadn't lost a regular season game in, in you know, about three years. But they had been in a ton of close games that they had just gutted out some kind of way. Um, so it wasn't like they were just blowing everyone out. They had a, a number of games, probably about two or three games every year that were pretty close. I know they had some close ones against Penn. Um, when I first got started in the region, they had a close one against Michigan City. And then went down to the wire. So it, it was kind of remarkable to see them falter, you know, down the stretch in a regular season game. But um, if anybody's betting against Crown Point, I wouldn't do that just because they're really talented. I think that, you know, that loss will probably fuel them to be even better than they were maybe coming into that game. So uh, it was a good one to see. And um, definitely, a, you know, a headline grabber just because Crown Point, you know, doesn't lose often. I mean, that um, that junior class, which features Justin Carruthers and um, Lily Stoddard, um, they've lost three games in three years, three games total, Mike. So um, let you know how great that program is at this moment. And we'll see if they have enough to, you know, make a run when it matters most and, and break through to get to that state stage, which, you know, all of them have been telling me for the last couple of years, that's their goal is to get to state. Will that happen? It remains to be seen. But um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a great game. I was glad to be there. And it was definitely uh, just a point in the game where I was like, you know what, James? You can't write anything about what's going to happen because you have no idea what's going to happen. So uh, <laughs> kind of just put the laptop down and just watched it all unfold and enjoyed myself. And it was uh, this is my first time covering games in 2021, so it was a great day to start it off with at the Mac Jokes Invitational. Yeah, and uh, you know, props to Crown Point for scheduling that game. I know Chris Seibert, um, you know, certainly wants to schedule games that will test his kids. And uh, you know, it's hard to find those games. Honestly, mm-hmm. there are not a lot of teams in the state. Um, that he can play. And one of the things, um, you know, with Illinois being on pause right now and not playing girls basketball, I know that there have been years where Crown Point has gone to Illinois to pick up games against talented competition yeah. as well. That that avenue is not open to them this year. So um, you know, they pretty much have to find in-state opponents that are up to their level of talent, which there aren't a lot of. So mm-hmm. yeah, props to them for scheduling that game for sure. Um on the boys' side, uh, every team in our circulation area has played a game. Uh, and we could not say that last week because 
Hobart had not played a game until this week. You were at that game as well. And the Brickies, who got started late, uh, partly because of football. So, I mean, their season would have been delayed anyway because uh, of their deep run in the football playoffs, which is, you know, that's that's not a COVID thing. Um, that's an every-year thing for uh, basketball teams. That yeah, Valparaiso had deep, the same deep, thing deep, happen as well. Right. Deep, full, uh, deep football playoff run. So there's nothing unusual about that part. But then uh, COVID did kind of step in. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of crazy to think that uh, the 2021 season for Hobart boys basketball did not start till 2021. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nuts. Uh, I joke, The first question I asked uh, uh, Hobart coach Michael Brown after they won against the Griffiths on Tuesday uh, and Mike, you probably get a kick out of his axe. And I said, "Hey, man, you know how how good does it feel to be undefeated this late in the year?" And uh, <laughs> he, he just started laughing. He was like, "Man, I'm just glad to be, you know, out here." Um, you know, it had got to a point where, uh, and, and shout out to John Harrell, which which is why I was even aware of this. He was letting people know like who hadn't played yet, and it got to a point where I knew out of our 87 programs on the boys and girls side combined, Hobart was the Hobart boys were the last one to start their season. Um, so. It started with the win. They're undefeated. Uh, I believe the last undefeated uh, boys basketball team in the region. Um, so kudos to them. <laughs> but uh, it was it was good to be there. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a high profile game by any means. Um, but again, when you when you have a chance to talk to these kids and see their excitement, just be warming up, listening to the pregame music, and going through all those things that they have become so normal in years past, um, they didn't take anything for granted, and it was fun to be there. Um, and, and, and definitely uh, a game I'm sure none of them will ever forget just because it was their first one during a global pandemic. So, um, you know, that was that was cool to finally cover them, get them on the board. And um, obviously, you know, they, they got a win, which was, I, I guess, and, and, you know, just a cherry on top of the, the cake. So that was uh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. And like I said, I enjoyed, uh, you know, asking a little sarcastic questions afterwards like that. But uh, one of the kids I talked to, Keith Mullins, um, he said he had been like training for the season, you know, throughout the summer and, you know, they, they start their preseason stuff in like September. So to, you know, wait that long and then have to wait until the entire uh, cal- calendar flips and, and then finally play in January of 2021 when you were training in 2020 uh, September. Uh, I mean, that's 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 a testament to their 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 dedication, because, I mean, you know, Michael Brown, the coach, like I said, he was telling me. It was just tough to keep him motivated at times, but the, from the sounds of it, he said he had a really good group that kind of just stuck with him and, and, and trusted that they would eventually start their season. Now, you know, at this point, anything goes. I mean, every day I wake up, I check John Harrell, and I see, okay, this team didn't play. Didn't know that, so let me check in with them. And then it turned into, like, this, uh, you know, maze of me trying to figure out who's playing and who's not. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things where it kind of puts it in perspective that, some programs have been a lot fortunate, you know, than others. I know there's been several programs now that have kind of reached that, like, that 10-game mark or that 8- or 9-game mark, and here you are with Hobart getting one. So, um, yeah, that's just 2020 and 2021 in a nutshell as we continue to try to do sports during a pandemic. Which uh, does segue nicely into the weekly uh, COVID-19 update. Yeah, I know you uh, edited one of mine that we posted right before this podcast. We are now up to 31 uh, girls basketball teams that have 
uh, had a COVID-19 interruption this season, 31 of 43. Um, and on the boys' side, we have 20 of 44. Um, at the moment, we probably have about four or five girls' programs, maybe two or three boys' programs on hold. Um, I know that Marquette uh, had to pause for a third time due to COVID-19 on the girls' side. Um, so, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what I wanted to allude to, Mike, is that, you know, when I reach out to some of these schools, like, hey, I heard that you're paused. And Marquette is great about this stuff. They'll send out press releases and just be very forthcoming. But then as I'm going through, okay, when are you playing again? Are you going to reschedule any games? And I'll, I'll hear, I'll get, you know, wind of, hey, well, this team told us they couldn't play before we shut down. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So now I reach out to another school. So it turns into, you know, I'm thinking one school is paused. And now I think I ended up with three girls programs that I found out today and were able to confirm today that were paused. So um, it's just the nature of the beast. And now we're getting to that point where, um, you know, in the past schools have been saying, you know, constantly, oh, they're postponed. We're going to try to reschedule everything. But uh, Marquette told me they're just going to flat out cancel their next five games because they just don't have room in their schedule. And frankly speaking, I know a lot of schools are saying we're going to try to reschedule. But now the conversation has shifted to we're going to get our conference games in if we can. And all the other ones will be extra. And, and like I said, as the days go by, that will probably turn into we're going to try to get our conference games in and everything else is canceled. So um, we're just getting down to the wire uh, of the end of the regular season for girls basketball, which means that we don't have enough time really to make up these games. So, you know, as we head into the state tournament, we're probably going to have some teams that have had, you know, 20 games and some teams that have had, you know, maybe seven or eight. It's just, you know, what we have to deal with right now. Yeah, you know, we're, I, you know, not to be on a negative note, but there's a possibility, and we can't really ignore that, that there may be some teams whose seasons may end without playing in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, or they start the playoffs, to, and then they are, they have to, you know, be, be ruled a no contest, and they have to withdraw because of COVID-19. We saw it in football, unfortunately. Right. And um, with the number of programs we have, the likelihood of that happening, frankly speaking, is probably very likely to at least, you know, a few programs around the state. You know, I just hope for the best for everyone. But I'm just looking at reality, really, and, and that's kind of just what it's been. And um, for the programs that have shut down now, yes, it's disappointing. But, again, I'd rather have that happen now than, you know, uh, a month from now. Yeah, I guess uh, not to... Not to belabor the point, but I mean we've had we've had pauses, shutdowns, uh, restarts, you know, for months now, literally, because the girls' season has been going on for a couple of months, and uh, things are this isn't stopping. So, um, and just kind of on a side note to that, uh, BU's men are playing for the first time in three weeks this weekend, and uh, Paul Oren reported that most of VU's players have had COVID, which is kind of a scary thought. Um, but yeah, that's that's the world we live in now. 2020 has turned the page to 2021, and uh, we're not out of the woods yet, folks. So um, we said frequently, and we'll say it again, uh, mask up, uh, social distance, wash your hands, please take care of yourself. Um, you know, and... Uh, when the time comes uh, for a vaccine, uh, please consider that. Um, you know, I, I can tell you that I will be lining up as soon as uh, I'm eligible. And uh, I hope that uh, most folks will too, because uh, 
that's the way to get us out of this um, and out of the other side. Um, so that PSA uh, being uh, taken care of, uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, my latest column, which is in the paper today, which is Friday as we're recording this. Uh, it's about a couple of uh, longstanding region traditions uh, for after the holidays. Uh, these are events that have been going on for 67 and 74 years, respectively. Uh, one of them is the Calumet Region Sportsmanship Dinner, uh, which a lot of folks are familiar with. Uh, if you're not, uh, what happens is uh, the Monday of sectional week, uh, the Calumet Region Sportsmanship Dinner Committee brings together all of all 30 teams and actually so we cover 44 boys teams and that this does not account for everyone there are a few uh, more far-flung programs that are not included in this but basically uh, there's 30 teams from throughout northwest indiana usually go gather at uh, the halls of st george and Sherville, uh have dinner and listen to a uh, speaker who is a sports celebrity of some note and uh, they hand out a scholarship uh, for uh, leadership and uh, sportsmanship. And then the committee members go to local sectionals and then they observe games. And then they will give uh, additional scholarships to the schools that, dis that display the best sportsmanship. So anyway, this is what goes on in normal years. This year, uh, John Doherty, who writes a sports medicine column for us and also is the chairman of the committee, had been calling around to some athletic directors uh, about this year's dinner, and they told him uh, to a person, uh, we're not sending our teams to your dinner, So, uh, which is not a surprise, and it's uh, understandable. So what they're going to do is they're taking the dinner virtual, and the teams will gather at their individual schools and Lakeshore Public Television Channel 56 is producing a, uh, a program, basically Chuck Swirsky, um, who is the TV play-by-play -play voice of the Bulls, and Paul Neidig, who is the uh, IHSAA commissioner, have taped speeches that will be part of the program, and uh, they'll recognize the individual teams. They'll uh, hand out that scholarship that I mentioned. And uh, so this is, it's, it's an interesting way of keeping the tradition going. John told me, um, as I wrote the column, that they thought that they had to keep it going. They thought if they skipped a year, it'd be hard to bring it back. Um, so they're doing this again. Uh, unfortunately, and that's going to be February 22nd, which is, again, is the Monday of sex, Boys Sectional Week. Um, one thing uh, that is not going on this year is the Gary Oldtimers Dinner. And this has been going on for 74 years. This would have been the 75th anniversary. Unfortunately, uh, we will have to wait till 2021 for that. That's something that usually happens in January. Um, and it's kind of, James, I don't think you've been to one of these, but it's kind of cool. It's basically a, an annual reunion for players and coaches from Gary, um, originally, obviously, by the name. But, you know, folks from all over the region, um, it's kind of the one time that a lot of these guys and uh, people, coaches, athletes get together, um, you know, just to see everybody else, you know, that they used to 
you know, either play with or against or coach with or against over the years. And again, it's, it's the same kind of format. Um, uh, they have a speaker. This year is going to be Lord, Lloyd McClendon, uh, the Gary native, um, Little League World Series star, played at VU, played in the major leagues, managed in the major leagues for the Tigers, the Pirates, and the Mariners. Um, but they decided they had to cancel it this year because they can't really do this one virtually. Um, it's a little bit different uh, because the fellowship of just getting together and hanging out with your buddies is a huge part of the dinner, and you can't do that virtually, obviously. So, Yeah, uh, I've been decided... in the, the, the large group Zooms and things like that, and it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, the so same. they canceled it for this year. They hope to come back next year. They hope to have Lloyd back, assuming that it uh, fits into his schedule. But uh, it's just another uh, – I mean, those are two examples. Again, these are – these are events that have been going on for again 67 and 74 years, um, you know. So way going way back before even I was born, um, and just really, you know, a couple of events that you know folks kind of look forward to, you know, in that bleak of <laughs> winter, you know, after the holidays are over, you know, um, just some annual events and uh, just I guess another indication of how different life is for all of us during COVID. Not that we need another reminder of that, but, uh, yeah, so that was my column for this week. And uh, uh, I think those are the topics that we had on our schedule. I know you got to get ready to get to a game pretty quick here, but uh, any closing thoughts? That's pretty much it. Um, I will say that I enjoyed uh, Trash talking to my uncle last night, who was a Northwestern <laughs> alum. Um, my Alana beat them down. He gave me so much uh, uh, garbage um, and trash talk when we lost to, to them in football. So I told him we'll see those nerds on the hardwood, and we, we got it done, Mike. So um, all jokes aside, it was fun. Obviously, we, we knocked off Indiana as well. You know, and, you know these uh, these 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 uh, these these Indiana schools, these Northwest, they they can't compare to us in basketball. I just want to throw that out there to all the region listeners. Um, I look, I love Sasha, love Brandon, but you know there there's levels to this. Um, so. Well, and uh, you were uh, you were talking a little bit about football too um, earlier um, during the CF or the CFB playoffs as well. So, uh, folks, I hope you're following James on Twitter. You should, at Romeoville Kid, uh, because uh, besides getting the full scoop on Regent Sports, um, there is uh, often some lively discussions going on there uh, among uh, pro and college uh, sports as well. Um, so, yeah. That's, yes, uh, and, and no, no, no takes are good unless they're scolding hot. So... <laughs> If it's mild, keep it. That that's what Twitter is for. <laughs> exactly, and uh, yes. Yeah, so that is it for us this week. Uh, stay safe, and we will talk to you again next week.